0: You're listening to the Patriot Nation Podcast.
1: All right, welcome into another edition of the Patriot Nation podcast. Your boy Pat Lane, as always, here with my guy Matt Saint Jean, and don't forget that this episode, as all of our episodes, is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports wagering partner of CLNS Media. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston to sign up today. Matt, it's uh, it was a fun week. We haven't talked in over a week uh, because it's I was I was in hair. Pittsburgh, um, but it's been it's been a while. Yeah, it has. How was
0: the uh, how was the trip? How was the stadium?
1: I'll tell you, for those for those people. First of all, shout out to um, to some of the uh, some of some of the Patriots. I don't know if they I don't know if PR customer relations. I'm not really sure, but got me some uh, field, pre game field passes, which was just incredible. Uh, it was so cool to see to be standing next to the guys as they were warming up, which was really cool. Christian Barmore and I had a Spider Man me moment where I wear the Barmore jersey. He I like, I could tell that I was in his field of vision at one point. So I like pointed at him and he pointed back at me and I was like, let's go. So, um, <laughs> But it was cool. We had, we had a blast and the people were incredibly nice. Um, we had, we really had a ton of fun and you know, we went to, so we went to like a few staples. We stood outside, right. We stood in the line and we waited for um, uh, Christ. I can't, I, I did a terrible <laughs> job pronouncing uh, pramanti brothers uh, permante yes. brothers and it's worth it. It's worth it. Just for the, just for the, you know, the interestingness of the sandwich and you, know, you get the, I didn't do the coleslaw, but you got the, you know, you get the, uh, um, I'm not a coleslaw guy. No, I'm not. Oh man. Um, but you know, you got the, uh, you get the meat with the, with the, uh, French fries right in the sandwich and it was cool. So it was, and it was interesting. It was just different, you know? So, but the, the, the city was beautiful. The people were super nice. Um, you know, and look, I mean, the Patriots aren't. It's not. It's not the rivalry it was twenty years ago, right? So, like, <laughs> this is I It's not I the 0-4
0: AFC Championship
1: game, right? <laughs> but still, the people were incredibly nice. They, I felt safe the whole time, which was great. Which is, which is good. We toured PNC the next day, which is like one of the most beautiful parks I've ever seen. The view from PNC is incredible. Okay. With, if the, you ever, with the uh, yeah. skyline in the background and if, the and the bridge, unbelievable.
0: If you go to a game there sit on the third base side that's where you want to be because that's the side that overlooks the city you get the full skyline and you you do that on like a a summer evening and you get to just watch the sunset against the buildings uh, while you're while you're watching the baseball game it's beautiful view they got cheap food in there too which
1: is yeah well no you know and so it was like we went out there and then we got on the field there too which was kind of cool we did the press box did the whole thing which was really which was great and we had a blast and it was just we we're only there really 24 hours maybe a little bit more than 24 hours but it was perfect it was exactly what we wanted um and we had a, we had a great time so and then my dad went to my dad and mom went to army navy on saturday so we were going to drive and we flew instead because my dad's always wanted to go to army navy and he was like screwed i'm going so we paid he paid a lot for the tickets but we got <laughs> advanced tickets because we're season ticket holders and he was able to buy tickets um you know and it was great and and he had an absolute blast they had a ton of fun um, so he had, he had a busy weekend and then we had a family, we had a family Christmas party on Sunday. So it was a busy weekend for the fam. Um, but you know, but it was, it was a ton of fun. I would recommend anyone, you know, going to Pittsburgh, I would highly recommend going there. The two stadiums are right next to each other, really. So yeah. we stayed at the Spring Hill Suites, which is in walking distance, like literally across the street from PNC and a five minute walk or whatever. Maybe t- less than ten minute walk to Acroshore. whatever that whatever they call it now. Hinesfield. I'm Hinesfield. not. I know. You know the problem was everyone over there was calling it Acroshore because, of course, like we're going on the tour, and the guy said mm-hmm. Acroshore like a million times. So yeah, just burned in my brain at this point, you know. <laughs> uh,
0: but you know, it's a it's a cool spot. We'll have to I'll have to make a trip down there at some point. I'd like yeah. to. And you know, we're we're figuring out where the Pats are going to be going next year too. That's right so maybe maybe a little trip speaking of where the patriots could be going in the near future um, yes if we want to, if we want to be real optimistic here pat we got super bowl location for 2027 they're going back to la already okay so the it's la last not last year but like the year before and then arizona yep. and then this year's vegas They're in Mm -hmm. New Orleans the year after that, San Francisco the year after that, and then back to L.A. So they're just doing the whole the whole West Coast. It's all it's all West and New Orleans.
1: (laughs) Doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. I I, you know, you wonder if if the Patriots, you know, were pushing for one. They tried to do one in New York. It really didn't work out that well. Um, You know, and I say New York because it's not really New York. But it's be the same thing but at, it, at Gillette. It should
0: be. As somebody that lives here in this city, that can we just we should take over that area. Like that should be New York, for being honest. <laughs> basically, it basically is.
1: I know. Well, oh. Jersey might fight you on that one, but but uh it's, you know, it's
0: Jersey though, who cares?
1: I that's it's a great point. Um <laughs> uh, Tommy DeVito though has got something to say about that. Um but, what I know, I found myself rooting for the Giants in a Monday night game. Yeah. What is
0: going on? <laughs>
1: yes, Come on, man. Tommy DeVito is the best. It's so funny. Part of my take was talking about this too. And they were like, it's so funny because, and actually they took it, not took it from someone else, but they were, they were quoting someone else who said it. And I don't know who the original person was, but nevertheless, they were saying, you know, like baseball has been trying to make Mike Trout a star forever for years. Right. And he doesn't get the name recognition. And it's like, you know, and Tommy DeVito is just Italian. And all of a sudden he's like the biggest story. (laughs) He's like the biggest story in sports it. right now. And it's oh, just like, what the hell, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, his it's, agent, look- bro. Unbelievable. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah. It's it's fantastic. Oh, it's it's so good. Uh, one of yeah. the better, st- just the funnier stories. And then the best part is DeVito actually played well Monday he night. Did? Like, he's not a starter, but he'd be QB1 in New England. With how he hey, played.
1: look, man. Him and, I mean, what, what a world that him and Zach Wilson were the two players uh offensive players of the week like
0: i'm good. telling you
1: if you could have bet on that imagine you had a a two you had two bets going and the two bets were you know <laughs> zach wilson and tommy devito are going to win the offensive player of the week you you would have won a billion dollars if you put 10 bucks on that i mean yeah. who would have ever predicted that would have happened
0: yeah no it's it is wild um you know, wild times were in here in the NFL. I don't really know what's going on. So it's going to be interesting playoffs. That's for sure. It it feels like it's just going to be totally random too, which is a little bit less fun. Yeah. Like I, I think aside from the Patriots being as good as like being a Patriots fan of rooting for them in the playoffs, the playoffs were always so fun when new England was in it because, and the Colts with Peyton Manning and the Broncos with Peyton Manning, because mm-hmm. there was that, you know, big bad guy. And that makes the upsets more f- upsets don't feel fun when it feels like it's a random when right. it's when it's five ten and seven teams battling it out and you know it's just like all right it just feels like every game is going to be close it's going to come down to the last drive the games will be fun but i don't believe that the teams are anything fantastic and yeah having that high quality and then you know when new england or indy got upset it was a big deal whether it was in the Super Bowl or the AFC championship, the divisional round, that upset the whole balance. And that's how it's been too with Mahomes the last couple of years. But now that they don't have anything going on offense, um, you know, it's it kind of sucks a little bit out of it. I mean, you know, obviously the NFC side, you got the Niners. Well, and maybe the Ravens could be that in the AFC.
1: Yeah, well, and we'll see, right? And so masterful saying that that he he thinks that, you know, Philly, Philly of the Niners win the Super Bowl. And I, I tend to agree with him that those seem to be the two best teams I am very interested in, in you know you mentioned the Ravens the Ravens now they have to play Miami and they have to play San Francisco so those two games are going to decide a ton number one for Baltimore right and number two for really the landscape of that division of of both of those sides right if Baltimore beats San Francisco assuming Philly doesn't blow it Philly might end up with the one seed or Dallas, depending on what happens, right? Yeah. And if Baltimore loses both of those games, well, they're not the one seed, right? If Miami can knock off, you know, so like, there's all these different dominoes that come into play, and Baltimore plays both of those teams. So it is interesting to kind of see um, what happens. And and I think we'll find out if, if Baltimore is for real. Baltimore hasn't really been able to get over that hump. If they're able to win both yeah. of those games, now you kind of Watch sit him. there and say, whoa, this, this is a really team. good team. You know, and so so we'll see.
0: Yeah. And bringing it back to the AFC East, you know, the Dolphins, if you look at the standings, I think they have a two game lead right now with four to go. And you look at it and it's like, that is, that should all but put away the division. And then you look at the schedule mm-hmm. and the Dolphins play the Jets this week, which, I mean, if they struggle with that one, I'd be worried. <laughs> yeah. The week after that, they get the Cowboys. Week after that, they're in Baltimore. The yep. Bills, they also get. The Cowboys. That's the same game there. They go to LA to play the Chargers, and they play the Bill, the Patriots at home. So the Bills should go what two and one, and the Dolphins should go one and two in that stretch. Right. Week eighteen is Bills at Dolphins, and if that happens, that game is for the division. And I yep. was I was playing with a playoff machine on the ESPN, and there's a scenario here too where that's a a win, and you're the three seed lose, and you miss the playoffs game for Buffalo. Right. So that could be really high intensity crazy, there. Right? And yeah. that's, if that's, if that's how that shapes up, that's gotta be the Sunday night game. hundred percent. Right.
1: Yeah. hundred percent for sure. That'd, you know, that's one, one of those one. things. Yeah. So it's also speaking of playoffs, it's also fantasy playoff time. Uh, for those, for those of you that play fantasy football, I had one of, one of the worst, Maybe my worst <laughs> fantasy loss of all time. I feel so on,
0: bad for you, man.
1: On Monday. It's just absolute nightmare scenario. So I'm in a guillotine league. Those of you that don't know what a guillotine league is, it's 18 teams. You start out with 18 teams, and you do a draft with 18 teams, and the lowest team every week gets knocked out. Not like lowest cumulative, just lowest for the week, knocked out. See you later. So you could be the number one team in the league. It's happened multiple times. You could be the number one team in the league. You have a bad weekend route. And so I have been. I drafted Tyreek. I drafted Olave. I drafted Puka Nakua at the end of the draft. I drafted D- Dak Prescott. My team is loaded and has been loaded really since the beginning, right? And so I had James Conner, who was going off at the beginning of the year before he got hurt. So I had this whole thing, okay? And so I've been kind of stockpiling. I paid for Kyron Williams when he was um, when he was on the IR. And you got to drop them like someone, probably someone lost because they had Kyron Williams as one of their, one of their top backs and nobody picked them up because he's hurt and it's week to week. So you can't afford to have a guy on IR. Well, I could, cause I had a good enough roster. I paid for Justin Jefferson when he was on IR. So I get this whole thing, right? So I'm like, all right, got it. blah, blah whatever. Whole thing. The team I rolled out. Yeah. So masterful, the way it works is that, and maybe I didn't do a good enough job explaining this. The way it works when a team gets eliminated, so you get 18 teams, lowest team gets dropped. All of their players go into free and it's, agency. It's the, the lowest score each week, right? Lowest score each week. Yep. So it doesn't matter what you've done before. It's the lowest score each week. All those guys get put into free agency, and it's a blind bid. So you get $1,000 to bid on for the year, and it's a completely blind bid. So you put a bid in on a player. If you bid the most, you get them. And it's not like an eBay bid where, like, you know – if I bid twenty dollars more than you, it drops back down to like what yours was and just a dollar more. That's not it, all right. If I bid four hundred bucks on a guy and the next closest guy is 100 hundred, I pay four hundred bucks. It's just do is what it is. So whatever, okay. So the last four teams, which there are four teams left right now, I was I got eliminated this week. The last four teams play three weeks cumulative, and then the top two win, basically, right. They pay out to the top two. So I was like, I just want to get right. to this final four, right? That's all I want to do. Yeah. I got five teams. The team I rolled out last week, Dak Prescott, Rashad White, Kyron Williams, Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, TJ Hawkins. Like, bro, if you were picking, if you were just, if you were just like, not even in a draft, if you just like give me the best fantasy players in the last three years, that would be that would basically be your team, right? You, McCaffrey's not there, but like outside of that, it's unbelievable. My team was incredible. Jamar Chase was terrible, even though his team scored 34 points. Stephon Diggs disappears in big games, and I should have known it was coming. I should have known it because Stephon Diggs disappears in big games, and I started him anyways because I was dumb, and Tyreek and Justin Jefferson both got hurt. But the worst part is the guy below me had, had Derrick Henry. And I was up by, like, three going into the night. Tyreek Hill catches a few passes, gets hurt. Henry scores a touchdown. I'm like, it's over. Hill comes back in the game, right, and does enough to get me points. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm winning. I was winning by, like, a point and a half. And I'm like, just don't play Derrick Henry. So the, I don't know if you watched the game Monday night. But the Monday night game was insane. They Both drive them, down. There were two of them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they drive down, score a touchdown. Henry never even sees the field on the first touchdown draft. Never even, doesn't even play a snap on the first touchdown draft. Okay, fine. Doesn't play him. Like, this is great. Miami gets the ball. Two and a half minutes left. I'm like, this is great. Miami just pick up a first down. You'll be fine. Tennessee's got two, three timeouts. And the two-minute warning. And they run it on the first two plays. I've never seen them like that before, man. Mike McDaniel should be fired just for that, dude. I, don't, I have no idea what he was thinking right there. Mike Vrabel did the right thing. Went for two, got the two point conversion. Was up, was down six. Miami's up six, thinking they can just what kill the clock. That was lunacy to me. I, I will lunacy.
0: I will say betting that a rookie quarterback can't drive down the field on you twice in a row. I don't hate that. It will doesn't,
1: doesn't matter, man. It does. Yeah. Dude, get a it first down, and the game's over. Okay.
0: Oh, and Miami couldn't, they had issues executing in short yardage all,
1: right. all night. Issue, and that was
0: kind of my not,
1: biggest issue with sure. it was that the game's not over. And like, so okay, they wasted 15 seconds off the clock. Miami, uh, Tennessee had to call two timeouts. They had a timeout in the two-minute warning left when they got the ball back with two fifteen left or something stupid like that. They ran two plays before the two-minute warning. It's just it's unbelievable. The mismanagement's embarrassing at that point. Wasting clock is irrelevant. You have to get first downs. And they played scared. Like, the the big difference is Mike Vrabel had the balls to go for two down 14. He did it. It's the correct call. I know analytically it's the right call, but a lot of guys don't like doing that. He did it. They got it. They got the ball back and won the game. And Miami, instead of being aggressive and trying to get a first down or two, turtled, went, you know, didn't throw until third down when everyone in the world knew that they had to pass. And two get sacked, and then the clock stops again because they got called for holding penalty. So, anyways, long story short, Henry scored a touchdown on like the last play of the game, and I was like, "Well, there you go, that's it." And I and was winning dying. until that point, and Incredible. it just was horrifying, just absolutely horrifying. Um, <laughs> just what a what a terrible way to lose, especially when my team was so good all year long. And I just, and the worst yeah, part definitely. was is that I lost by five points. All those guys did crappy. My bench was Olave would have won if I put him in. Puka Nakua would have won if I put him in. Devonta Smith would have won if I put him in. DK Metcalf would have won if I, if I put him in. Saquon Barkley would have won if I put him in. Like every single guy. It was like literally everyone. I'm like, okay, well, I could have put any of those guys in there would have won. But just as it is, man, that's how the fantasy gods get you. But I'm telling you that the guillotine league is so much fun. So, uh, I want to do that next year. It's, oh, it's, it's great. It's great. So anyways, all right, let's get to Bill Belichick because – Tommy C. Yeah, let's get let's get to Bill Belichick. So Tommy Karan, of course, goes out there and he's backtracking, of course, but goes out there and says, Oh, you know, I heard that oh you could change, things could change. Here's my question to you, Matt. The question to you that I'm gonna pose to you is whether whether it's the right thing to do or not. Is there any chance that we get a coach that's okay. Put it this way, we're not going to get a coach better than Bill Belichick next year. So sell me on the idea of of getting rid of him.
0: I mean that it's a pretty it's a pretty short and simple argument I think, which is that if uh, we're talking about specifically the head coach Bill Belichick, he's not immortal. He is not going to last forever. He's close to retirement, regardless of his status of an actual football coach and his abilities, and the fact that you're bottoming out now and potentially resetting things um, means that this feels like the natural time to do it. You got to rip the, the band-aid's coming off at some point. And the idea would be to do it when you have some sense of control over it and potentially could trade him and get any kind of asset in return, whatever it would end up being. That's that's the explanation. And then you couple that with the fact that the, the on-field performance hasn't been what we've liked, you know, and this is strictly from the coaching perspective, you have not seen the player development that you would have hoped for the last couple of seasons. You've seen a lot of sloppiness that you don't want to see. You've seen team, the team kind of regularly not play well to open games. Uh, The the three games where they've played well to open are the only three games they've won all year. That's kind of, it seems like a lot of games have been decided in the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes when the Patriots play. I think their first lead change of the year came in that Bills game. Yeah, something like that. Like they just, of, yeah. of any kind. Because they just, you know, games were decided early and that was it. And they weren't ready when they got off the bus. So that's kind of, and you know, obviously the the general downward trend. It's just, it's so tough to evaluate for a number of reasons. Because it's clear that the locker room still believes in Bill Belichick it's clear the players still respect him a ton, which is mm-hmm. rare for a team with this win-loss record at this point right. in a season. You never see that. It's also clear that Belichick has not done a good job of managing the roster as a GM, and as a coach has not done a good job of coaching the players up to the level I think we would expect. I do think some of it gets overblown because I think some of the sloppiness is just not having good players, which right. is a Belichick, the GM issue. yeah, um, And... Then you add in the H component. You know, if it's if you gave Bill Belichick one, two, three more shots at finding a new quarterback and rebuilding this team, yeah, he would do it. I don't really have any doubts about that, but you don't. You get one shot maybe, and it might not even be a full shot if he decides he's gonna retire at 74, 75. Right. So um it's an uncomfortable situation all around because there's And then there's the contract situation where the fact that he is the GM and head coach, like he does everything. Would he even accept staying under conditions that aren't that? Um, It's a lot more complicated than the record's bad. You have to fire the head coach. But also, you know, the report of Tom Tom Curran was that the franchise and Kraft came to the decision that Bill was not going to be the guy moving forward after the Colts game. Yeah, I think we to a degree kind of felt the same way the way that that game went. So I think everybody in New England felt that way. That man, this is this, we can't keep doing this. This is really bad. There's bad and then there's this. Yeah, um, and I can't I can't blame the crafts if they saw that, especially in you know prime time at nine thirty in the morning. Yeah, right. Yeah, and said this is embarrassing and we can't keep doing this.
1: You know, I mean, you're not wrong, right? I think it makes it's very difficult. It's a difficult decision. I know you know you hear you hear peppers talk about it after the game on Thursday, and you hear how much they love and respect him still. You know he's a good coach. Everyone knows he's a good coach. He's the greatest coach of all time, right? I mean, he's got he's got his defensive game plan in the Hall of Fame from when he was a defensive coordinator for the Bills, right? And, and shut down I'm, uh, for the Giants and shut down the Bills can, in the Super Bowl, right? So like. Yeah, and I had a yeah.
0: defensive note on this year's team too. Um, one of the things that's been a staple of Bill Belichick teams too is they always force turnovers, and that's like when you look at statistically over the course of the NFL, that's one of the things that is the most random. Um yeah. changes the most from year to year, and the Patriots right. have regularly been at the top anyway. They just force a lot of turnovers regardless of who's out there. This is like the first year. They haven't been good at forcing turnovers in a long time, and they're st- and they're missing their top pass rusher. They have basically no pass rush right now, and Josh, right. Josh Boucher is playing himself out of a nice contract extension yep. right now. They lost their top corner. They lost their projected number two, number three corner because he couldn't stay on the team, and the defense is still playing like a top 12 unit, and they can't force turnovers. I saw somebody had a, a one of those fancy graphs up on Twitter where they do like, this is how, what ha- well, it's the series conversion rates. So when somebody gets a new set of downs, what that usually turns into most of the time. And the yeah. Patriots were third lowest in turnover percentage, but like ninth or eighth in how often they don't let the other team score. Right. And that's a great, you, ne- you never see that. So he, the no. fact that he's keeping this defense competitive without all of those guys and without forcing turnovers and not getting lucky is like, you get everything back they should, and you get the turnover luck back on your side. And Belichick's coaching the defense, and they're a top five unit next year. I believe that very strongly.
1: Hundred percent, and and I agree with you on that part of it. It's just the question is, can can he work here without being the GM? Right? Can he do that? And by the way, this this is the comment. Bill's not great. Brady was like, no offense to you, but. We're not and we appreciate that. appreciate you listening to the show and, and, and thank you for coming through. That's the comment right there that pisses me off because – and it's not because that's what you hear, right? Before it was, well, maybe Brady's a system. Well, then Brady goes to Tampa and dominates in Tampa Bay, right? I, I'm sorry. Like, you can't sit there and tell me that Bill Belichick isn't a top five GM of all time. All time, he's a top five GM and he's the best coach of all time. What he did, the players that he brought in, and then the players that he was able to coach up to play in his system. I know Tom Brady's great, but Tom Brady doesn't explain why the defenses were so good every year. Tom Brady ain't playing defense, right? And so when you pick up guys like Mike Vrabel, and then you pick up guys like, you know, Rob Ninkovich, and you pick up guys off the scrap heap, right, that all of a sudden become good players for you, Right. And you turn them into great players, or you find diamonds in the rough like Stephen Neal, or you find, you find guys like that all the time. They do that all the time, and they've been doing that for 20 years. Now, they've, they've ran into a cold streak, and I think that there's no doubt that he has really been lacking on his GM skills. And I would say the last 10 years, but you can really, really look at from 2017 on and just say, my God, like that's bad. It's bad what's happened from twenty seventeen on. And uh, you know, it's it's one of those hard things that you look at and say, you know, we're not in this situation. But I think what you said, and I think was is is so perfect is his age is just he's too old. If you're starting again with another rookie quarterback, how long is he gonna be here for that quarterback's tenure?
0: Yeah, if that's if that's what you're doing, you gotta have a succession plan in place behind the scenes so that if, if you're going to let's say you keep Bill, he's the head coach. You bring in a new GM and you say, we're going to keep you around, but we're going to start the transition to the next era. And let's say he buys into that. And that's what your goal is from here on out. I could get behind that. Um, but you got to well, have Matt, a transition plan well, Matt, behind the, the thing, scene.
1: And I don't mean to interrupt you, but here's the thing. What's the rest of the organization going to do? Bill has been the main guy, had final say on every single thing for 25 years. And there there are guys that have been here for 25 years with Belichick, and all they know is him, and he's the guy that has the final say. And not only is he the guy that has the final say, they're trying to look at through the lens of Belichick, right? And what does Bill want? And and so to me, I I sit there and say, well, if Bill's still here, even if there's a new GM, how likely are – how likely is it that that GM is the guy calling all the shots? I well, just that's... find that extremely hard to believe. Even if Bill's on yeah. board with it, I find. It well, hard. you to need, we well, need buy-in from
0: the whole organization on that, and you need somebody who Bill is going to respect to. Who I mean, it does seem like Matt Groh has a little bit more power than like Casario had. It does seem like they've been given that off a little bit. Um, so maybe he is. And, you know, a season like this can humble somebody and change their perspective on things. So yep. we're we're speculating from the outside. There's no way of knowing how they actually feel. But if you could get buy in, I could be OK with a situation like that. Yeah. Um, and it would it would just have to come with a transition plan in place behind the scenes so that when Bill goes, we know what we're doing. And that way, you're not interrupting your quarterback development. Like you have a plan, you know who the next offensive coach or not not offense, but you know who the next head coach is going to be. You already have the next GM in the building, um, and you kind of go from there. I think that's what you would have to do. Um, and yeah, and I think you'd also have to look at the offensive coach. There's a lot you'd have to evaluate, but. Uh, I will say, you know, with with all Bill has done for this team and the fact that despite their record, it's been mostly one-score games this year, playing everybody close, their defense is still elite or borderline elite, despite all of the issues it's had. Like, there's enough there that, that if they kept him, I'm not going to be upset about it. I don't think they will. I don't right. I don't trust Tom Curran's reporting to the degree that I'll say it's a fact that this is happening, especially when he'll walk it back. But I of will course, say, yeah, it does seem... To be based in common sense, that this is what would happen, especially, you know, from what we heard from the crafts last year or earlier this season. Uh, they clearly weren't happy with last year. And if they weren't happy with last year, then yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the other part that I think makes this a little bit more difficult to figure out is that we've been getting on Bill for his drafting for a while. And rightfully so, this draft might be the best draft he's put together in a long time. Right, You've got a what looks like a legit corner one. You've got a high-end backup or starter at guard in City So who's really helped stabilize the line. You've got a punter you have to feel at least decent about. He's not like a world beater, but he's a legit starting punter. We'll see what Ryland turns into. Keon White is at least a rotational guy right now who's super solid. Demario Douglas looks like the receiver we've been looking for for a while. How how much did I talk in the offseason about how what this team needed was a, a shifty yards after the catch guy to play in the slot? They got him. They actually got the guy in the sixth round of the draft. He's, I, you know, PFF is PFF, but they have him rated as the 22nd best wide receiver in the NFL this season. He's played very well for a sixth round right. rookie. And it's like, all right, well, we finally, he finally drafted another receiver who yeah. might actually be good. And, um, you know, it just, it complicates things. Cause that's, there's a world in which bill did make the right pivot. It did start to figure it out after last season. And you just had, you know, quarterback's bad. offensive line is too hurt. Your big free agent signing, you whiffed on, and you just have a really unlucky season. Um, and discerning between what's unlucky what's bad and projecting that into the future is the job of the crafts right now doing it with an absolute legend and trying to evaluate that um i don't envy no. the position i'll tell you that much and it's right. also why i can i can accept just about any outcome here from them and live with it except for you know tarring and feathering Bill on his way out of town, they would never do, and then making a bad hire, which I don't think they're going to do. But, right. um, you know, we'll no, we're gonna know in less than a month here. We That's sure are, sure. we sure it's are not going to take very long after the season to make some announcements. I don't think,
1: yeah, I agree. So, John says this, which I agree like the vitriol of the media towards Bill is ridiculous, right? The reporters, the morning show on EI, which I i can't say I listened to, I'm not sure. Um, who it even is now, to be honest with you. But, um, but for me, right. I agree with him. Right. And we see stuff in the chat all the time. Right. Bill's ego. That's the, that's the biggest one to me. Like that's the one from Felger and mass. That one comes direct from Felger and mass. how Bill's ego is, is the issue. And he thought he could do everything and thought he was the greatest coach of all time. And to, which meanwhile, he's literally said just the opposite in the media. And he's never taking credit for anything. Um, you know, and yeah, sure. Maybe he is, uh, he does have an ego cause everyone has an ego, but I also think that he thinks like the team comes first and that if you build a good team, you don't necessarily need a great quarterback. And then the Casario thing is something else that I, I, I think was masterful said about, you know, we let Casario walk and that that's one that I've heard all year this year from talking heads. Nick Casario was here until 2020 the last first round pick that they've signed to a second contract was drafted in 2013. That's seven years of not drafting a guy. He was part of the process to draft Nikhil Harry over AJ Brown and Debo Samuel. Now I don't know what the story is. I don't know if Casario left because he wasn't getting, you know, he wasn't getting the shine that he wanted to get, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure. Right. But like, let's not pretend like Nick Casario was doing great things over here in New England. And then, they, yeah. and then they let him go a, at that point. You know a, what I mean? So it, it's it a team to... effort
0: for the, right. the evaluative right. process as well. Well, and I think this is the other part we haven't really talked about in here in a while. It's uh, kind of lost the luster in the press is that not only did they lose like Tom Brady and all those players, they had a bunch of coaches and scouts and executives mm-hmm. who walk out the, the door at the same time. Where right. you had, you know, when Brian Flores left, he took a bunch of guys. When Matt Patricia left, he took a bunch of guys. When McDaniels left, he took guys. And you replaced – and uh boy, Casario, when he left, I think he – I don't know if he took people, but that's a pretty big loss for for somebody to leave. And not only are you trying to replace, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time, in my eyes, the greatest tight end of all time, Correct. and all of the other, you know, Patriot Hall of Famers that were in those 2017, 2018, 2019 teams, you're also trying to replace all of the coaches who had the institutional knowledge. Correct. and. It's a, it's an it's almost an impossible job, and I think the fact that they got back into the playoffs in 2021 uh, made it look like it was a lot easier than it actually was uh, to yeah. fix everything and to do that. Um, you know the the only teams I can think of that you know really hit the ground running again, you know, you got the Colts when they did it with Andrew Luck. But that took one awful, awful year getting the best prospect around. And that didn't even really work out for them. I mean, that had its own issues. You had the Niners because they happened to draft another very good Hall of Fame quarterback after Joe Montana. The Chiefs did it, but they had a decent guy and they found the next guy is like the third quarterback drafted. Um, So, you know, there's. It, that's all I can think of for like transitioning quarterbacks. And Alex Smith, the Mahomes isn't really even close to that tier. Like it's right. This is, it's very hard to sustain that success. Usually you fall back to the pack and they fell out of the pack this year. So,
1: yeah. And it, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that becomes difficult. And again, the talent evaluation and player development on the offensive side of the ball is been there. it's unfathomable how bad it's been. I mean, it's been worse than bad. It's unbelievable how bad it's been, right? And you just look at the offensive guys they've drafted. Go back all the way to 2018. Go back to 2017. They didn't draft anyone on offense except for Antonio Garcia, who ended up with you know, blood clots in his lungs. And oh, who knows what he would have Co- turned into. Co- anyway. Hey, Connor
0: but, McDermott, too.
1: Do they draft? Oh, they drafted Connor McDermott, right? And then ended up back with him, yeah. right? That's two true.
0: offensive tackles, two defensive ends. That was the entire like, draft.
1: And Derek Rivers, you know, couldn't stay healthy, and and you traded your first round pick for Brandon Cooks. I understand that, but like, yeah, you, you, you got know, that
0: one back. And do you remember how they lost? I think it was the second rounder of that year. Do you remember what that was a part of? Uh,
1: twenty seventeen. No, I yeah. don't. What What do they do? That's
0: a, that was a part of the coney Ealy trade. You remember him?
1: Oh yeah, but see, but that's
0: they—they they got a third-round pick back for him, and I think they had two third-rounders. And that so was that was
1: so that's the old Garcia that was in in that's the, the, the old th- oh, you traded a second-round pick for Coney Ely. They moved up like they moved back eight spots. <laughs> yeah, and they, moved, they just happened to move
0: from the second round to the third round.
1: Um, but it is really
0: funny to see. Yes, why don't they have a second-round pick? Oh, Coney Ealy—he didn't right. even make the team out of camp, did he?
1: Yeah, no, he was trash. Um, but anyways, but it's just it's one of those things, and so you can go to you can go to you know, the, the players. And I, I look, the talent evaluation is there. The coaching, I think is an issue and masterful mentioned Troy Brown, like Troy Brown. I love the guy. He's one of my favorite Patriots of all time, but like, it's pretty obvious. He's not a great wide receiver coach because we haven't seen big strides from anyone that nobody has developed. Now, Damari Douglas has done a good job, but like how much of that was just Damari Douglas Kayshaun booty. We haven't seen anything from him. We haven't seen any growth from... from. Matter of fact, I think Taequann Dillon's gotten worse since he got here. You know, like, it, it's it's up and down. And so, it just becomes an issue where we have to just... We have to, you know... I think... I honestly think Belichick goes and we just do like a clean... Just wipe the slate clean and start over. Keep a few guys, right? And, and, and kind of move from there. And if you want to hire Gerard Mayo... Hard rod Mayo. You want to go out and get someone else. Get someone else. I don't know. You well, know, I'm that, not sure. But
0: well, it's the tough part right now. Is they're I believe fifth in points per drive, fourth in points per drive on defense, and a thirtieth on offense.
1: Right. Right. So
0: it's not. It's. The whole situation is tough because you don't want a full tear down because there is enough stuff in the infrastructure that's good. Like I'm you talking wanna... about,
1: I'm talking about coaching staff, though, not 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 players. No,
0: no, I know. But the defensive coaching staff is there. And they're really good. And right. you don't want to lose them. Like you want to keep if you in theory like, you don't. I don't know if you want to do this again. But if you could keep everything and reset the entire offensive coaching staff with new people and draft a new quarterback. Maybe that alone does like they're in this really weird spot right now where it feels, especially if now the offensive line is playing at a competent level. And you got DeMario Douglas, who feels like a legit receiver and you have a defense that's really good. This team's fully healthy and you bring back, you know, all the players that have been helpful for them. It feels like if you if you dropped in just two players, they could be a playoff team. The problem right. is those two players are quarterback and wide receiver one right. two spots where everybody's looking for somebody yeah um and that's if that's where the team is next year it's hard because if you're if the record doesn't tell the full story on how good some of these guys might be um and how close you might actually be to being like at least a competitive team then do you want to fire the head coach but at the same time look like at the last couple of years and it's how can you not fire the head coach so i don't Again, like I said, I don't envy the the decision the crafts have in front of them. I suspect it's already been made, um, and you know, it's the thirteenth. When it's January thirteenth, we're already going to know what the decision was.
1: Kind of seems like it, doesn't it? And and we'll see, right? And we may it may take longer. It may take longer because because a trade may happen with Belichick, and that might have to take a little bit longer. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll kind of see. What and when
0: I suspect we'll hear things leak out. I One. Think it's, so. Yeah. The absence of a statement is a statement too, um, but if he's if he's gone, if it's a mutually parting ways type thing, I think he's uh, that'll be Monday or Tuesday after yeah. the the Jets game.
1: Um, kind of seems like it, doesn't it? So we'll yeah. see. Agreed. So all right, let's uh, let's get to a break because we we haven't taken one yet. Um, I do want to break down. We got a, fi- a quick film breakdown. We can talk about Malik Cunningham maybe for like five minutes. If we have a second I want to do some free agency talk if and we then have we'll time before. We'll do a little bit of that if we if we have some time. All right, let's get to a break. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 dollars if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. MA21 plus and present in mass. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expired seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblinghelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so let's get into uh let's get into this play that, that happened last week. This is so this was the interception that Jabot Peppers had, and I just they've ran this play a few a few different times, but the fascinating thing about this is that you have the guy in the slot. I think Miles Bryant was in the slot for this play, I believe.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so Miles Bryant's in the slot, and he's gonna blitz on this play. So he's at he's at the bottom of your screen in the slot. He's gonna blitz you can on see this my play. mouse. Yep. Yes, I can. So so there's the mouse right there. He's gonna blitz on this play. Typically, when that guy blitzes, your hot route becomes that player. Right? Well, as soon as he does that, Kyle Duggar bails out and covers his man. So now that hot it's actually, route it's is actually it's
0: actually it's not Duggar because Duggar blitzes as well. It's Mac Wilson all the way on the, other, the, side way the, on the other side of the field
1: there. Okay, so especially when Duggar comes in, you're thinking, all right, that's clearly, clearly going to be um, you know, the hot route right there. And Mac Wilson just busts his ass to get in that spot. And so Mitch can't throw it there. Looks like he's going to be wide open. All of a sudden, he's covered. So Mitch goes back and tries to throw that seam at the top uh, in the middle. And Peppers, who bails out right at the beginning, Steps right up, reads it from a mile away, and is coming down just full speed uh, to pick that pass off. And it was just—it's a great coverage. We've seen coverage like this before, um, but and Masterful says Mac Wilson's invisibly good. And, and look,
0: yeah, he's been really Wilson good this Wilson has
1: been really good. I'll tell you, like I hated that guy last year. I couldn't believe they brought him back, and he's done quite a bit this year. I still would love to see Mapu in that spot. But I think Mac Wilson's done a really, really nice job this year, especially against the pass. I think he's done a nice job. So if you want to play the, you want to play the clip, Matt. It's just
0: yeah. And I, and I'll if I can, if I can add to it too, because Taylor yes. Giles broke down this clip yeah. and he also did a great job. And I'll just add what what he was mentioning too is that this pre-snap it looks like it's what's well, one high, so that looks like it's either going to be you know Jalen Mills here in the center of the field deep and all man coverage across the board. Or it's going to be cover three. So he's going to be deep. The corner is going to be deep. This guy is going to be deep. And you're going to have some zones underneath. And what it turns into is cover two. So Mills <laughs> comes this way. And Peppers comes this way. And then your four rushers, I believe, end up being these four. Yep. And then the rest of the guys who I didn't mention they are kind of split out in a layer around this depth. So that confuses the heck out of the quarterback. And then Peppers makes a great play to step up and recognize the route. Uh, and I wouldn't, man, what we've said all year, you never want to play against the Patriots when they can, you know, drop back and give you these looks. You don't want to yeah. be in third and long against them because, good
1: Lord. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I mean, if you watch the play happen, I mean, so I'm sitting, I was actually sitting in this end zone, the end zone that Mac Wilson was running, to, uh, that Peppers was running towards. So I'm looking mm-hmm. at the back of, of the offense. Yeah. And to see Wilson take off, Just before the snap, they also timed it up perfectly to see Wilson take off just before the snap. I was like, "Whoa, what's this?" And I even I missed the blitz. I just saw Wilson take off, and I'm like, "What the hell happened?" And you know, and so to have that guy, and then the guy. I mean,
0: look, you can see
1: you you paused it at the perfect spot right there. I thought
0: that's that's Mac Wilson. That's where he is, and then.
1: And then that's where he ends, where up, right he ends up dropping into and, coverage. And so this is the perfect spot right here because you can see that guy in the slot up there. That's cover two. Peppers is dropping right into this cover two. It looks like that seam route is going to be open because that guy's got that kind of hook zone right there. And I'm not sure who that defender is up top. That's it might Uche. Be Uche, that's, right?
0: Yeah, that's Uche on the, the tight end that Trubisky is trying to go to.
1: Right. So it looks like that seam route's going to be open over the top of Uche. You got peppers that's still backpedaling in this situation, and you're thinking I can fit this into that spot. And peppers just reads it, knows what's coming, steps up, and makes a great play on the ball, and yeah. like it. You know these are the types of plays that the Patriots haven't been making, right? No. You say they haven't been doing turnovers, they haven't been making plays like this. This was one of those really inventive. I mean, look, they rushed four guys, Pittsburgh this kept is- in six. Right? The five plus, plus the running back and he's still got pressure on Trubisky. And,
0: and you get an overload, yeah. Cause this is and this is what the Patriots can do to you and their defense can do. This right here is like one of the most traditional coverages when it comes to the NFL. This is basic cover two. Two safety in, in a zone, two safeties deep, five defenders gonna be somewhere in this area. Uh, and they might be, they may, might actually be playing man on the outside. It looks like JC Jackson might be playing man. So they might have this a little bit, not, not the standard cover two, but it's close. This is basically your cover two zone. Um, and they get to it by bringing two rushers you don't expect, dropping two guys you think are blitzing into the pattern and with a completely different look before the snap, executed to perfection. Yep. Uh, and against quarterbacks who are, you know, average or worse this stuff will just absolutely destroy them uh as it did here you you get the pick and uh great play by peppers and they didn't i mean they didn't have a lot going here um really good stuff drawn up and this is i mean this is like some of the stuff that um it's not the same but like brian flores does out in minnesota right now Yeah, so I'll yep. watch it through one more time before we're done by the way speaking of brian flores i got i found a, a great and we'll, I'll let it run through the end zone angle too. Uh, there's a great stat I saw about Brian Flores that I absolutely love, that Vikings defense. They are number one in the rate at which they rush just three people at the passer. It's crazy. And they're also number Look Mac. one. Look in- at
1: back on this play. Look at- yeah. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Yep. Anyways, I'm sorry. You can't that one can't
0: step into the throat. The Vikings are number one in how often they rush just three rushers, which is, you know, the minimum you do on a standard passing play. That's like, that's a, that's a low number. And, uh, they're also number one in how often they rush eight. So they're either bringing everybody (laughs) or nobody and you have zero idea until the play starts.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I love it. I love it. That's so, so whacked. It's so good. Um, as as a DC, but, um, and and look, the best part about Thursday night, you win, but the best part about about Thursday night is that you, not only do you keep that number two draft spot, but every team that played on Sunday that had four wins, one now Washington didn't play. Okay. So they still have four wins. But every team that played on Sunday won, so the Patriots not only do they have the two spot, but they have the two spot. Like I shouldn't say easily because that's not true. Arizona's got a tough. He's got a tough schedule. I understand that, but man, the Patriots are looking good for that two spot they're, right now. And even if they beat the Jets week, you know, in week eighteen, they're you're three. still looking at a top three pick probably. Yeah, you
0: feel good about that. I think in some ways here, and I'm not... I'm going to put this out there first. I'm never going to root for the Patriots to lose while I'm watching the game. I'm at a point now where if they lose, it doesn't hurt me, and I'm okay with that. Uh, But I'm not going to root for them to happen. But the worst part right now is that the Patriots can still somehow finish third in the AFC East, and it isn't crazy, which is if the Jets lose the next three, and the Patriots beat Denver in there, and then the Patriots beat the Jets in Week 18, they'll be third in the AFC East. If they get yeah. to five wins, and they do it that way, and your pick at 8, 9, 10, wherever that would put you, might even 11 or 12. That is a very – now you're in no man's land. You're bad yeah, enough that you still feel like you want to fire the coach, but not, not good wrong. enough to no, – not but at this point, play.
1: can you see the Patriots going to Denver and winning? Denver seems like a good team right now.
0: I prefer, here's the thing Denver's playing better, but I'm still not entirely convinced that it isn't a little bit of smoke and mirrors. Um, yeah, well, like in their, their whole offense is just like runs and screens, and then we're gonna have Russell Wilson throw it over the top of you like once every right. 10 plays. We're not, not running or screening, yeah, and it's wrong. like especially the way Russ is playing these days. That's the kind of quarterback Bill Belichick eats up. Yeah, yeah that defense has gotten better, but uh. You know they've relied a lot on turnovers. They're yeah. better, If they're not. This isn't the unit that gave up seventy points to the Dolphins anymore. Uh, I can't believe that's this season. I know it's but crazy. Like right? That's. I feel like that feels like another one of those games that's going to be one score, and you accidentally stumble to win. Heck, it's. I don't think, and I, I don't think Bailey Zappi played all that well on Thursday night. He just he had a couple night, a couple really nice throws, and that was basically yep. it.
1: Yeah. Um, but credit still, gonna, like, he played. He played well in he, the first half made yeah. some really good throws, and, you know, got them got them a big lead. And so when they didn't do anything in the second half, they were able to hold on to the lead and win.
0: If you somehow got a genuinely good Bailey Zappi performance on Sunday, this team could accidentally beat the Chiefs. I don't think it'll happen. I'm not predicting it. This is probably a two-score loss, but I don't know if I see the Chiefs going over like 20 points in it. I think their offense is really having issues, and Patriots defense is playing as well as it has all season and the, the issues the Patriots offensive have had, like it's when so you got quick guys outside the numbers to so give J.C. Jackson issues. Yeah. Like, who is doing that on this Chiefs team?
1: Right. Nobody. No. And you can
0: stop. The I gun. like Rasheed
1: Rice, but come on.
0: Yeah. And it's okay, so it's like, all right, this is one of those where the Chiefs might score just 16 points. And that should be enough to beat New England. And it might be enough to beat New England by double digits the way the offense has been. But you get a defensive score or a special team score or something, and the offense locks into one drive. And all of a sudden, um, and that's like, man, (laughs) I don't. I agree. it's a weird spot to be in. Not a lot would surprise me on Sunday, except the Patriots like a blowout win.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine that. That would. Happen. I mean, I suppose anything's possible, but I, I just can't imagine that happening, especially, you know, the Chiefs lose to the Bills. So now, you know, you're talking about they have a hill to climb, right? And of course, Miami loses for them, which is good. Gives them kind of that track back to that one seed, but you still have Baltimore in your way, right? Baltimore, again, has to play San Fran and Miami, so they have a tough road, but... You know, it becomes that situation where it's like, if you're the Chiefs, you have to win. You have to win. Um, and the crying, it's so funny. Chris was your dad's talking about the ref won't let the pass beat be Kansas City. And I, the the complaining about the Kad- Kadarius Tony thing is hilarious. I just think I get it. I get it. But like. It's so foolish. It's just such a dumb thing to be upset about. He was clearly correctly. off sides. He was, it wasn't even close. And, you yeah. know, if it was close, they would let it go. And it's like, well, how come they let the other players go? Because they were close. And then they probably said, hey, listen, yes. you were too close. Like, whatever, you know.
0: Well, and it's also, do you do everything perfectly at your job? Like, right. that's the well, thing. It, like, it's the refs are imperfect and they're probably not paying the closest attention to that because they're NFL players and they've played football for years and they know how to line up properly. So they're gonna pay attention and they're gonna call it. But like it's not the closest thing, but you give them no choice. Um and you know I Mahomes was very whiny and everything after the game. I'll give them credit though for walking all that back. I think there was a lot of frustration about the outcome and with the offense and 13 weeks of pent up this is what this offense looks like after the investment they put in and trying to get all these receivers. So uh, I think it came out directed at the refs when Mahomes was really just mad that he doesn't have a single receiver he can trust. Yeah, not which I guess
1: you know. But yeah. I'm, sp- I'm so surprised they didn't make a move. I, what I'm really more surprised about is they didn't give DeAndre Hopkins just throw a bag at DeAndre Hopkins. But they
0: have no money. That would that's guess. their but issue. Just
1: restructured things, man. You could have you could have figured it out. Well,
0: I think I think their issue too is they were in ongoing negotiations with Chris Jones. And that yeah, I guess is, that's true. It I, makes, that makes things.
1: Sense. Yeah,
0: yeah. And Anyways. you know, it's it's one of those. You know, that they drafted a million receivers, and they did get one. They didn't get one in that batch who's as good as like Pop Douglas right now. The right. Patriots, I think, win healthy, I think the Patriots might have better weapons than the Chiefs. They don't have anybody as good as Travis Kelsey, but like options mm-hmm. two, three, and four, I think are all better than who the Chiefs have out there. Kenneth uh, and Pop Douglas. Kendrick Bourne, Pop Douglas, and the you know, Hunter Henry. I think that that's better than some of the guys they got out there.
1: No, I mean, look, Kendrick.
0: You wouldn't take Kendrick Bourne over Rasheed Rice.
1: Well, I would, but like Travis Kelsey's a billion times better than everyone else. Oh, you are saying on the whole you wouldn't? Okay, I mean that's right. fair. That's fair. You know, what I mean, like that's the thing is that you have Travis Kelsey, and so you have. It just is what it is. I mean, like you know now yeah. wide receiver, blow for oh, blow receiver. wide receiver. We have oh, win help and We have support. better wide
0: receivers. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: I get it. You know, yeah. but and it then, is what it is. You know,
0: yeah. Well, I I had said it post game, so I want your thoughts on it. But I thought Juju Smith Schuster looked athletic and the best he's looked all season Thursday night, and it had me wondering if if that's the guy we get the rest of the way. How how this goes into next year?
1: <laughs> not even. I mean, it's not even close. He looked like a totally different guy, and I don't know if it's. The routes he was running, clearly he was back in Pittsburgh, and he was emotional being back in Pittsburgh. But, like, I don't know. I mean, he, he looked like a completely different player on the field. And so if you get that guy moving forward, you can live with him as your third, fourth wide receiver easily. Well, easily.
0: You, if you went into next year with your wide receivers two, three, and four being Pop Douglas, Kendrick Bourne, Juju, Smith, Schuster, and you can find a way to add a legit wide receiver one to that group, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you know these guys go from being stink stink stunk to a nice complimentary bunch to whoever your wide receiver one is uh just changing that framing can
1: help all oh, right a
0: ton. you, uh, you got to get a not guy like have Dante parker in there well,
1: you got to get you a guy, guy, guy that. like that you have to get a guy and you know look i don't i didn't think hopkins was that guy hopkins has played really well at times for tennessee really good um but i don't know if he can carry an offense consistently i just don't know if he can maybe he can maybe i'm wrong about that but uh well and i
0: i think in some ways adding hopkins would have been the worst thing for this team because you know they're bad and hopkins gets you to what seven wins maybe like that's where you're maxing out if he's on the team and things go well and i don't think he saves mac uh max for as much as the offensive line was to blame for max implosion i think it had a lot to do with him too
1: yeah, uh, let's not let's not and, lose sight of the fact that Devontae Parker was inactive for the game on Thursday when they had their best offensive performance of the game. Yeah,
0: which Good I season. saw somebody say it was with a knee injury, and it's like he's been w- listed with that knee injury every week of the season. and He just made comments to the press. This feels like him being benched, but nobody was talking about it. Yeah, yeah. So and he's um, he makes he, he talks his he talks a lot louder than his play on the field. I'll tell you, that uh, much.
1: he's been doing that all year. Yep. So. um mm-hmm. Few people, few people mentioning. I, I, if you want to talk about free agents, I think we could do it just briefly. Quickly. You want to talk about yeah. that? I'm thinking like five, ten minutes at the most, because then we got to get yeah. into our final, our it. final segments here. Yeah.
0: yeah, all right, we'll do this real quick. PFF put out their list of the top fifty free agents this year, which I think is most interesting because they include um, contract numbers for all of it. So it gives like you an that. idea of how much it's going to cost to sign these guys. And to give an, another idea for cap space, I went through earlier and I did some of the moves that I kind of expect them to make. Like, well, we'll assume Mac goes, we're going to assume JC Jackson's probably not on the team. So he'd be like a $14 million cap hit. We're going to get rid of that hit. They're probably going to go into free agency with about $90 million to spend. Yeah. Then I want to start with the Patriots that it has, in this list, so they have. I'm gonna to have to scroll through this thing for a second. It's a long, a long document. Uh, there's, I believe, four Patriots listed here in the top 50 free agents, which feels kind of crazy with how they've played.
1: So I'd say on a menu. One's
0: Kyle Duggar.
1: Kyle Duggar. And yeah. Do they have, have in the top 50 as well?
0: They do not. They have Hunter Henry.
1: Hunter Henry. Um, yeah. Okay, that makes sense.
0: They have Duggar getting the franchise tag which I think would be about $17 million for him, something along those lines. So that brings you down to what is that 73 million if you're starting at 90, something something like that. Uh, and then I'll, I'll also note this because Pat and I talked about it off air. Uh, if they were to tag Mike Alwenu, what would that look like? It is just one tag for the entire offensive line, uh, regardless of positions. So that wouldn't matter. And that tag, at least last year, that tag, I think, was like 17, 18 million dollars. I think it was 18. So, yeah. about the same amount of money there. So, that's that's where Duggar would go. Next guy up is Trent Brown. They have his value at two years, 15 million dollars, around seven and a half million a year, which would be a pay raise.
1: And I, if, I would pay that in a second. I'd pay, a, pay second. a
0: little bit more to keep him in New England, I think, especially and, with the comments he's made.
1: And maybe you would, but like to me, the the issue – and we've talked about this. The issue for me is that unless you feel as though there's a guy that's going to hit the free agent market that you look at as a better option than Trent Brown, I do it. And the reason I do it is because I have glaring needs at quarterback and wide receiver. And so I don't want to draft my starting left tackle at number two overall. I don't want to do that because – no. I can draft a generational talent at wide receiver or who I think is a generational talent at quarterback. And so I don't want to spend that number two overall pick on a left tackle. Now, if you're going to tell me that, you know, that Smith from the Cowboys or whomever else is going to be available. Fine. I I got no problem with that. If you want to spend on a guy like that, but I don't want to, I'm not breaking the bank for Trent Brown. But if I can bring back Trent Brown as my starting left tackle, I have Connor McDermott as my swing tackle. I think he's good enough. And if you give him a two-year deal for, you know, two-year, say $17 million deal, $18 million deal. So you're paying him eight and a half nine million a half, $9 million a year. I got absolutely no problem with that. I got absolutely no problem with that. And you have left tackle locked up. Now you don't have to worry about that. Now you're still going to draft a tackle at some point, right? But. I don't, you don't have to take one at number two overall. You can't wait for the second or third round to take a guy if you don't have a starting left tackle.
0: Yeah. And it's, there's only one tackle rated higher than Trent Brown on here, and that's Tyron Smith, who's 33 years old. And he's also had his injury issues. um, And he might be cheaper, but, you know, there's reasons for that his injury issues and his age. Trent Brown knows what's going on with your system. And, you know, I don't, he's once again, the best Band-Aid for left tackle available. That's like the third time <laughs> that we've we've talked about yeah. Trent Brown that way, and you know that's that's what he is. He's a he's a quality starting tackle when he's on the field.
1: Right. So if and that's he what he's, getting yeah, I, I agree with that. But like, it's just
0: that's why you invest in guys around him and you draft somebody somewhere in the draft to compete for that spot and yeah, exactly. go from there. Yep. And he's, um, I mean, he's he's been good this year when he's been out there. So that. Right. That you're you're coming down to high sixties for amount of money you got left. Michael Wendy was next up. They project he's gonna get four years fifty-eight million dollars, million, fourteen and a half per year. So now you're you're down into the fifties and you can you can finagle this so you have more available. Like I was yeah, going through it and you can backload the deals and you could still be at $60, 65 million available here. But you know, that's you're in the fifties or sixties for millions of dollars right. available hitting free agency yeah. after those moves. If you're bringing those two back and those are that's, that's tackle two and tackle three in free agency right there. That's right. You're not really going to do much better uh, when it comes to bringing guys in. And then I know I got to scroll a bit here for, for Hunter Henry to get to him, um, which I was surprised. I mean, you no, know Josh Ucha he's played himself out of a big contract. Right, I, right. I'm not worried about the price of bringing him back. Uh, it just, he hasn't played well. Henry, Two years, twelve million dollars, about six per, which I think is. A day oh wait, of... Josh, Josh Uche is on here. Excuse me, uh, he's he was at the, right at the very bottom. I missed him. Okay, he's one one year, a little over seven million dollars, which I think you know you might do if you if you still believe in him. That's I mean less than what people were saying well, last off season. And
1: listen, this is the situation: is if Josh Uche is one of willing to to stay on a one year deal, that means he's gonna have to play his ass off. Right, yeah. he's going to have to because he's playing for his next, next contract. And if that's the case, you look at it and say, okay, uh, sure. Come back for one year. We got Judon on the other side, have 15 sacks, go off and get paid in the off season. Great. We don't care. I, I'm okay with that. Ho- I hope he gets paid somewhere else. I'm not paying him, but I hope he gets no. paid somewhere else. But like while he's on a one-year contract deal, he's going to have to play his ass off and you benefit from that because of the situation. he's in.
0: Yeah. Yep. Um, and then, you know, if they, let's say they bring back Anthony Jenning, that's going to be a couple million dollars. Miles Dugger is Ryan. the
1: one you didn't mention.
0: Duggar. Oh, but oh, you, you mentioned
1: you were franchise saying franchise. Tag. Got it. Got it.
0: Yeah. Which I uh, franchise tag is like 17, 18 mil. Uh, if you sign him, I think he'd be probably less than that. Probably 13, 14, something, something yeah. around there. Um, and so you'll see where they go with him. And then if you sign, you know, Anthony Jennings would be a couple of million dollars. Miles Bryant would be a couple million to keep him, um, which I, mean, I think you kind of have to bring him Both back. Those guys but, should be back. Yeah. Um, Mac Wilson is a guy who's a free agent. He's maybe Pharaoh Brown and Mike Gosicki. I think probably Pharaoh Brown is the guy you bring back there for a million. Yeah. And, you know, all these all these start to add up. You're probably hitting free agency with. 30 or 40 million dollars something in that range. Right. So now now that we got that number, we can go through some of the other guys that it has at the top of the list who could be available. Now the number one free agent it has is, is Chris Jones for about 30 million a year. If you can't find another way to spend your money. I I don't <laughs> hate that idea. Yeah, <laughs> you want know, to you want to juice up the pass rush. Give me a line with Chris Jones, Christian Barmore and Matt Judon.
1: <laughs> Lord, they, they would have devoted so many assets to the defensive line. It would be outrageous because they're going to have to extend. The thing about Judon is they're going to have to extend Judon because they pulled the Stefan Gilmore Judon and gave him money from next year, this year. So they're going to have to do that. Um But, you know, I I don't know. That's it's yeah. interesting. That's an interesting question. I think Chris Jones is a, is an absolute monster, but I just don't know how you can pay. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to sign Barmore to extension. You're gonna have to sign on yeah. to an extension. I don't know if you can justify, and Chris Jones, but it would be a lot of fun to have those two guys be. on the line.
0: Yeah, uh, the num- their number two free agent here is Kirk Cousins, uh, who have, is in an interesting spot. Their free agent comparison here is Philip Rivers in 2020. They think he's probably going to get. They say two years, sixty million dollars, so or thirty per. Um, like if the Patriots played themselves out of being able to pick a quarterback at the top of the draft. Yeah. I don't hate the idea of a Kirk Cousins signing. The issue with the Kirk Cousins signing is it's enough money. You're probably not able to fix the wide receiver thing. You got to do that through the draft. Right. Um, so that's something to consider. Uh, and you got like a Josh Allen from the Jaguars franchise tag. T Higgins. They project a franchise tag for him. That's what it looks like. Brian Burns from the Panthers franchise tag. Uh, Justin Matabuke from the Ravens has had a really, really good season. I think would be a scheme fit. He's like 23 million per is what they're saying. Uh, and if you're cutting Lawrence guy and you're in, let's say Devon Godshaw, and you want to get a little bit younger on the interior or try to boost that, and you free up a little cap space that way. Matabuke, I think is a guy who I really like somebody they could bring in. Christian Wilkins from Miami would be a similar guy. They project a franchise tag. Um, I'm going to skip by the corners because I don't think they're they're signing a high-priced no. corner. Michael Pittman, a wide receiver who you know over a thousand yards and who people really like, uh, they have him getting the franchise tag. Mike Evans becomes your top receiver available, and you know he is on the wrong side of thirty. And you're looking at 23 million a year for him. So the same we're talking about for Madibuke for a defensive line. That's probably what you're going to have to pay for Evans. This is for a three year deal, which is a lot to swallow for a guy who's on the wrong side of 30 and who's had injury issues, especially if we're talking about going into the free agency with 30 or 40 million dollars. You're eating up half of more than half of your cap space that you can spend on just Tim. That's a big investment. Um, Let's see what else. Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, another guy who could be one of the top receivers they think Arizona is going to franchise tag him. And that's, that's where it's like, all right, well, that's now your, your only option. If you're T Higgins, Michael Pittman, Hollywood Brown, if they're all off the market, then that puts you in a little bit of a tough spot for upgrading wide receiver in the off season. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, you get some safeties in here. There's some guards who, you know, if they think strange is done and they want to invest in a guard, I think you can do it. Calvin Ridley is another guy who's supposed to hit the market. There's no way Jacksonville lets him do it. They project yeah, a franchise tag. There's no shot for him. And that's four of the top five wide receivers by projection off the market before you even hit free agency. And then you scroll more and it's all corners and running backs and linebackers and, you know, Dalton Schultz, the tight end from the Texans, is projected to hit free agency. And if you want to do that instead of Hunter Henry, um on yeah, the game, I, but that's you're right. you're moving from
1: you're not doing you know, anything. A, you're not a changing B minus much, to yeah. a B, like right. that's
0: you're not it doesn't move the needle. It, it it's a slight upgrade of a complementary piece. So Agreed. when it comes to actually upgrading this team in free agency, um you know, it might be bring back everybody and sign Mike Evans or sign Kirk Cousins and use your first round pick on the other of those two positions if you're trying yeah. to be good next yeah. year.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens and, and kind of see where it goes. By the way, someone did ask about Trent Brown uh, about Matthew Judon. I'm sorry, Judon is only signed through next year. He has a he has a a dead cap hit or a cap hit of two point three million dollars in 2025, even though he is not going to be with the team Um, and his cash, the cash he's getting next year is only seven and a half million dollars. So, because again, they borrowed from that cash next year to give him more this year. So he's not going to play for I mean, I guess theoretically he could play for seven and a half million dollars. I can't imagine he's going to. And so, um, and so you kind of go from there and, you know, kind of see what happens, but look, ultimately you're right. Like, Wide receiver, you're going to have to hit in a wide receiver in the draft this year. Or you're going to have to trade, right, for someone. Now, at two, does that mean you take Marvin Harrison Jr. at two? Maybe. But it really just depends on what you think a quarterback. And someone said it, and I, it's, it's way too far back in the chat, but someone said a top-five quarterback is worth more than a top-five wide receiver. And that is undeniably true you a need to have the quarterback to get the wide receiver top
0: a top 16 quarter a top 20 quarterback right. is worth right. more than a top five wide 100%, receiver. 100 percent,
1: right and so that's yeah. that's the thing for me is that you have to have that guy and if you think you have a shot at that guy you have to draft him now maybe you don't draft the right guy and maybe you miss on him and that's scary it's a scary proposition to to think but you have to take the chance um and yeah. so right. to me and if there's I'm... a guy that you want you take him at two if you hate both those guys you trade out of two because someone wants one of those guys and you can get a ton a ton to move back to yeah. that you know 6 to yeah. 10 spot right mm-hmm. look at what the yes. eagles did with devonta smith right where they were at 6 yeah. they moved back to 12 yeah. they end up moving back up to to what ten and drafted Devonta Smith,
0: yeah, and so well, and like, I think you that's and then And I love Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, Malik Neighbors is also a crazy good prospect, and if it's if you know you're not taking a quarterback, I think trading back and getting trying to get Neighbors or Odunze is a better option here, even though it would stink to, to pass on Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, right. The other thing too, I know I've been a Drake Drake May hater on this show. I went back over the weekend, especially, you know, no Patriots game. So more time to watch college film. And I watched some of his 2022 tape and I watched his games against Clemson. And those had me. I felt a lot better after watching those in large part, because especially in the Clemson games, you know, he's, he's had a talent mismatch completely, like across the board and a coaching mismatch. Clemson it was rushing the pass and covering all of his guys. And he's under pressure all, all game long. He was still able to make plays and he didn't self destruct. And it was like, okay, he has poise. He's not going to completely mess it up. I have questions about his accuracy still. Um, I have questions about his processing still. Right. But I, you know, it's, you're not, there's no perfect quarterback prospect out there. I think they all have flaws. I think he's reasonably good at taking care of the ball. He shows enough mental processing that you can believe in developing that and accuracy. You know, there's, in some ways he's a Josh Allen type prospect in that you're betting on the traits and hoping you can teach accuracy and processing. And I feel like that rarely works out, but when it does, that's, that's a big hit. And yeah, quarterback is so important. This team badly, badly needs one. And I feel like you kind of have to, you know, there's no, there is no perfect prospect. You got to take a risk at some point. So I have talked myself around watched the, enough tape to come around on taking may at two if that's what they decide to do and all right with the qb the qb play they've gotten i feel like you kind of you kind of have to you gotta do something try something
1: you gotta do something can't roll back out with bailey or Matt jones actually can't yeah. do that so. yeah
0: and also one of my uh, my last note on this and then we'll move on one of my like quick tests for a quarterback is just looking at their receivers and how good they are and like all right are the receivers getting drafted and it's like right. caleb williams his top guy, Jordan Addison, got drafted last year. And, you know, uh, Malik Neighbors is gonna go ahead of Jaden Daniels, I think, in this draft. And you go to Washington and they got three receivers that are gonna get drafted. And Oregon's got a guy who's gonna go in the second round. And you know, it's yeah, what's this? May is doing this without a receiver who's gonna go on day one or two in the in the draft, and he's still putting up this production and it's I like think Tez is
1: gonna go on day two?
0: No, right now he's projected as like a fifth round guy in hmm. a lot of sites uh, in large part because it's a small sample size for him. But like, you know, I'll tell you watching the games, he doesn't stand out on tape in at least the games I've seen. Um, yeah,
1: well, we'll see. And it's like, you all right, right,
0: that this tell if a guy can produce like that and he doesn't have the talent or scheme around him, doesn't mean he's going to be successful. But it makes me feel better that at least it isn't the mirage. And there is something there.
1: Right. Yeah. I agree. All right. Interesting. All right, let's get into our last segments because we are, uh, surprise, surprise, running super long tonight. All right, so, um, we'll get into the prop bats first. Man, we, uh, we sucked at this last week. I mean, we suck <laughs> all the time, but I went 0 2. I had the Patriots Steelers first drive field goal attempt. Never, I, it's funny because I almost thought about a touchdown and I was like, no way, that'll, that'll happen. It happened. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, and I had Jaguars Browns under 30 and a half, which didn't even come close to hitting. Um, You had Pat Steelers under thirty and a half, which didn't hit, and you also had Eagles Cowboys over fifty two and a half, which also didn't hit. So for the season, I am eight and twenty for the season. Oh God, eight and twenty is just dreadful. And you are twelve and sixteen, so still with a four game lead uh, for Matt. And uh, so, what do you got? What do you got for us? I'm I'm assuming you have a Thursday night matchup. Do you have a Thursday night one?
0: Obviously, Obviously. I I always do. Which a note on this Thursday night game before we. Place the bets that the Patriots, assuming they finish last place in the AFC East, are going to face the team that finishes last in the AFC West at Gillette Stadium next year. And that means it's likely, with the schedules remaining, going to be the loser of the Thursday night game between the Chargers and Raiders this week. So some some 2024 implications for you to figure out who's coming to New England. Give me Josh Jacobs anytime touchdown.
1: Oh, I like that. Josh yeah. Jacobs. Certainly anytime.
0: not placing a quarterback bet on this game, I'll tell you that. No, sure.
1: absolutely not. That'd be silly. Uh, What about your second one?
0: I have Pat's Chiefs under 37. Really? I said this before. Pat's defense is good enough to limit the Chiefs. Chiefs defense is more than good enough to limit the Patriots. The Patriots offense is good enough to limit the Patriots. So, um <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I'm going to I think last night last week was a little bit fluky and I think they come back down to earth and this is going to be a very low scoring, you know, 16 to 6 type of game.
1: There you go. I like it. I like it. All right. Uh let's see. I have I didn't take a Thursday night game, usually I do, but I didn't take a Thursday night game. Um I went with the Vikings and my guy Justin Jefferson. Not only anytime TD but a Justin Jefferson first TD of the Ooh, game. Uh, I think I like that's, like a, that's like a like a plus eight fifty. Um, <laughs> I just think they, I think they're gonna get they're gonna get him some work. Give him some work. Get him the ball early and often. Nick Mullins is starting for them at quarterback. Like just throw the ball to Justin Jefferson. So that's what I think is gonna happen there. Uh, MA Football Guy, thanks for coming through, man. Appreciate you as always. Um, and so. And then the other one I have is I believe in the Broncos, and I do not believe that the Lions have any defense. The Lions have zero defense. Um, and so I am going Russell Wilson over 217.5 passing yards uh, is what I'm going with. So so there you go. So those are my two my two uh, picks for the week. We'll see if either of those two hit. Uh, I wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> But uh, I have, but we'll see what happens. If you're uh, fading well, me, you've done great this year if you're fading
0: yeah, me. Yeah, fade, fade him. So uh, uh, We're doing trivia question and then on this first. day. Yes, sir. Uh, last week's trivia question was, Rob Gronkowski's breakout game came at Pittsburgh in 2010. How many touchdowns did the then-rookie haul in from Tom Brady that night? The answer was three. Matt Monito got in there. Beat out somebody. I forget who it was. But it been Skywalker for that one. Um, yeah. So yeah, make sure everybody play in the chat with us. one answer. Answer the question. First one gets a prize or entered for a prize in new England's last win over the chiefs. I think about it for a second. When it's the last win over the chiefs. Okay. Which Patriot scored the game's final two touchdowns to secure the win. So it's really? kind of a, Kind of a, a two parter there. You gotta think about when that game was and then which guy scored the back to back touchdowns at the end.
1: Fascinating. Yeah, I didn't realize he scored two touchdowns at the end. I thought it was someone else's good touchdown at the end. <laughs> but I was well, clearly I'm mistaken because um
0: there were there were a lot of touchdowns in a flurry at the end of this game, and I'm uh, reading the box hard score hard in hard the fourth quarter, quarter is, is a little bit dizzy. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. That one, yeah, that's that one was a wild game. Um so that's a good one. I like that one.
0: Yeah, Honestly. We'll like we already we'll, have. Uh, looks yeah, we'll, like we already
1: we'll, have a few, few answers. We in the chat. Some, yeah, we'll have.
0: We'll announce the correct answer in the the who won in the chat on our, our episode next Wednesday.
1: So come by yes. for that. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, all right, let's go to uh, our final segment of the night. By the way, a Jets fan in the chat being pretty respectful. Appreciate you coming. To I love us.
0: it. You know, I I will I will say this. Moving to New York City, I ha- I kind of like the Jets and Giants fans here. They're fun, especially when the teams are all bad like this. There's uh we can all we can all get along and commiserate on that. Yeah, so See, Yeah, see, go.
1: If the Patriots are winning every fun. game, then of course they're not going to be fun, and you know, and able to mess around. But if the Patriots suck, just like they suck, then what the heck, you know?
0: Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, as old man mom said, Jets fans not bad. It's those Bills fans and Dolphins fans. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Screw those guys. Both of those. <laughs> all, right. all right. Here we go for something we think you'll really like this week in sports history. All right. Would you like to go first, sir? Do you want me to go first?
0: Uh, I can take it. I think I got a, I think I got a fun one here today. Oh, Let's hear it. Um, All right. On this day in 1983 was the Mm -hmm. highest scoring game in NBA history. The Pistons beat the Nuggets 186 to 184 in Jesus. triple overtime. So your your high scorers in this one, uh, Kiki Vandewey had 51 points. Alex English had 47. Isaiah Thomas had 47. And John Long had 41. Love uh,
1: it. Not a Incredible. lot of names
0: that I know as a youngster, but I'm sure some of the older guys in the chat will, will remember. Kiki Venture is, is
1: a – um he's like a broadcaster now. Kiki. Is.
0: Yeah, I was reading his Wikipedia page before this. Yeah. Like, Who's this guy who put up 51? He scored a lot. <laughs> they had another game that season where they scored a ton, and he also was – I think they may have also set the record for highest-scoring regular season game that year, and he also had a ton in that one.
1: So. Interesting. There you go. How about that? All right, I got two. One of them – um one of them involves a Boston team. Well, used to be a former Boston team. On this day, 1936, okay, 1936, the uh, National Football League Championship at the Polo Grounds in New York City. The Green Bay Packers beat the Boston, that's right, the Boston Redskins, 21-6, to 6, getting the Packers' fourth title, and the Redskins would move to Washington, D.C., the next season for the 1937 season. So. Um, how about that? I don't know. If, I don't know how oh, many yeah. people knew that, but the Redskins did start in Boston. I did um, know that one. And then uh, I think you did. I don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't know how everyone else did. But uh, <laughs> and then on this day as well, on uh, December twelfth, uh, December thirteenth, I'm sorry, two thousand seven, the Mitchell Report was released, um, releasing 81, 89 names of major league baseball players that presumably used steroids and HGH. Wow. How about that? 2007. It's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we got a, we go a
0: good one from Dark Blue Gold here. I don't know if the whole thing is going to show on screen. Okay, it does. Got it. Yeah, oh, on 13th, on December 13th, right. 2010, the Vikings played the Giants at a hastily repainted Ford Field due to the Metro Doom roof collapsing the previous morning. Brett Favre's 19-season 297 start straight came to an end as the 41-year-old couldn't overcome a shoulder sprain sustained versus the Bills the week before. I saw the video today on Twitter of, of that, uh, the, the roof imploding there. And that's, I was like, I forgot about that. That was like a a core video for me. Like as a kid, like that's one of those, they would just play on, on a loop on sports center and you just like every time I turned on ESPN that day at some point if the TV was on for five minutes, that video was going to get played.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's a wild video, wild video. So
0: and then the, anyways, the uh, and then they had to rebuild, and you know the Patriots played that game at uh, Minnesota, the the Gopher Stadium. I think yeah, I forget
1: the name of it too. But you're right, yeah, because it wasn't yeah. Target Field, because that's that's where the Twins play. But it was yeah. like somewhere, yeah, the University of Minnesota's football stadium. They played, and that that's stadium
0: right. is home to the that cold ten nine Seahawks win uh, in the playoffs, where the Vikings missed like a twenty something yard field goal as time expired.
1: Yeah, Crazy. and
0: that is somehow probably not in the top two, like most painful field goal misses for Vikings uh, fans.
1: Idea, Jesus Christ, they've had some. The Blair Walsh me, miss is one of the worst misses ever.
0: Makes me very grateful that we had Adam Vinatieri and Stephen Goskowski all those years. Yeah, right between between the two of them, they only had one ever one costly playoff miss, and that was Goskowski against the Broncos in 2015. That was right. in a. Twenty-something year period where you're you're winning playoff games every year. That's well. Incredible. That's the thing,
1: and you know what the thing is is that they've had they've obviously missed they've missed some, of course, okay. but like, you know, they always wound up redeeming themselves, right? Adam in uh, in the Panthers Super Bowl, I think, missed two field goals, but then hit the game winner. One, you know,
0: one blocked, one missed. Yeah, right,
1: right. So it's you know it's even if when even if they struggled they still redeemed themselves by the end so
0: it did, i think venettari did he miss a kick when they played in Houston earlier that year too that
1: i think he did yeah
0: that 03 game the patriots played in Houston is still one of the weirdest games to look at the box score for yeah. because yeah. The patriots outgained houston by like a crazy amount And like the game really shouldn't have been close, but then they were down and had to do a game, like they had to score a touchdown at the end of regulation just to force overtime, which came down to a fourth and goal with Brady rolling out and throwing to a diving Daniel Graham to make a contested catch in the end zone to get to overtime. There's a Raple pick in overtime to set up the game winning field goal there to win it. Like it's just against a bad Texans team. That's year two of the Texans. Yeah, yeah,
1: that was really bad. That was a bad team. But um
0: that game, had no business being close and yet it. was. No, those
1: are the fun games though. Those those games like that. Those were to me that was like almost more fun because you knew the Patriots were going to just kill everyone, and so it was like when they had those close competitive games, I and mean, even the Browns game where they won like nine nine to six, nine to, yeah nine, or to, nine three to three, that, yeah. and it was like that, the Browns never had a chance in that game, but like. Well, not- <laughs> That yeah, O no.
0: three team had a whole bunch of close games too. Yeah, because you had you know you got the finish in Miami in overtime. You win that one like nineteen thirteen. You get the Browns game. They had two twelve nothing games that year. Yes. Texans in overtime. Colts with the goal line stop. And I'm sure I'm, I'm missing. So- oh, I think they're I think they win in New York that year too. It was like twenty one sixteen or something like that. Something like it was, yeah, it was close. It came down to the wire. So. um yeah, no, they had a lot of those a lot of those games in 03 like where things really could have gone the other direction and you know, right. just worked out.
1: My favorite thing about 03 is that they lost the opening game 31 to nothing to the Bills the and Bills. then beat the Bills 31 to yeah. nothing in the last game and I remember they pulled all the starters on defense and the starters are on the sideline flipping out like freaking out cheering so hard and Larry Izzo uh, had Legend. an interception in the end zone to uh, to seal it to make it to to fit to keep the shutout and beat even thirty one nothing. It was so awesome.
0: Yeah, that was that yeah that was a great game. I was actually I was going through my old Patriots DVDs yesterday, and everybody knows they have the DVD that's like the highlights for the season. Yeah, but on the bonus one of like three games to glory from O three, they have what's like now like Patriot sights and sounds when you go on their YouTube channel like the four or five minute videos that with the recaps and all that stuff. Yeah. They have that from that season for the winning streak from week five on. That's they have pretty cool. all of those. And it's like all these things that like from a slightly different angle than all the other highlight packages and different radio calls and like some more sideline content. And uh, going back through that was pretty cool.
1: That's cool. That is really cool. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, let's get the heck out of here. Um,
0: guys, thank 1 o'clock.
1: thanks for everyone. Uh, we appreciate you guys. Yes, the game is Sunday at one o'clock, uh, which means it is a home game, which means we'll be we'll be recording at halftime of Sunday night football again. Yes. Um and so we will see you then come back for uh, for an instant reaction of probably a Patriots loss. Um but you know you, you never, never know. know. So you never know. But thank you for coming you. through, old man mom. I heard uh, I saw it's your thirtieth birthday tomorrow. So good uh you know Happy birthday. congratulations. Enjoy enjoy the thirties. The thirties are better than the twenties, in my opinion yeah. at least. Yeah. I'm well, almost got- out of my thirties, but but uh, yeah, 30s are better
0: than the 20s. Yeah, and we got the Jets fan in here, so we'll, we'll we'll humor him at the end. He says, what do you think of the Jets' defense there, Dakota? It's fantastic. It's so good. Second yes. best defense in the division.
1: Yeah, they're really, <laughs> I mean, they're really, really good, and it's one I of hate- those things. It's just like the Patriots. If you had even a mediocre offense, we picked the yeah. Patriots to win 10 games this year, and the reason why was because if you give me the 15th best offense in the NFL— you're going to win ten games because your defense is so good, and the bit and the Jets are exactly, exactly the same way, you know. And then so Rogers obviously going down right away killed them. But like yeah. if you give and them a the mediocre offense, wow, and, well, and yeah. the offensive line too. And it, but yeah. you know you give I, them a mediocre offense, and it's like man, all of a sudden they're yeah. good.
0: I hate how much I like Sauce Gardner too. Cause he's, that's like the type, like I love Christian Gonzalez too. And he like, he's my guy. He's on the Patriots, but sauce is like the kind of corner. I like where he's just such an alpha mentality out there. And like, yeah. a lot of, I just love guys who are like that. So, so, um, you
1: know, it's, it's look, funny for me. Cause I had Stingley as my number one, my number one guy in the draft. If I had the number two one two. pick that year, oh, I would have taken but, Stingley. Um,
0: He's finally starting finally, to come on for the Texans. Finally, he's healthy. And he's playing they, well. they draft a dude as a man corner and put him in a cover two zone scheme. It's yeah. literally, that's what the, the Buccaneers did all those years ago. And they signed Darrell Rivas and then said, we're going to play Tampa 2 the whole game. Like, you're right. just wasting the dude's talents doing yeah. that. Uh, and they yeah. finally got a coach who actually knows how to use him. And um, he's healthy too. So yep, uh, well, the big, stingly guy. And, you know, you got the Patriots connection there, too. So I'm definitely rooting for him.
1: 100%. Absolutely. So. All right, guys. Well, thank you for coming through. We appreciate it, as always. And uh, we will talk to you guys Sunday night. Have a good day, guys. We'll see you.